Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Charged Up Studio listeners, and welcome back to another episode where you get charged up for success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. So today's podcast guest is a socialpreneur who believes that true healing stems from from knowing oneself and understanding how we are all connected to the collective consciousness around us. A leading advocate for socio-political trauma-sensitive change and informed responsiveness to unnecessary trauma in the health, education, justice, government, and private sectors. She highlights the transgenerational effect collective trauma has on our current society. Wow, that's a mouthful there. (laughs) Linda's expertise comes with her ability to uncover the driving force or core of issues we face societally. Sometimes this involves looking not only at the current reality of the challenge, but the collective generational issues that remain unresolved and are currently impacting every aspect of our society. Let's all please welcome to Charged Up Studio, Ms. Linda Conyard of Healing Humanity Through Truth. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Dana. Lovely, lovely to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, you too. So did and in that intro, that bio, did I collectively capture <laughs> everything that you do? Yeah, uh, you did an amazing, amazing job. And it is a mouthful, I agree. And it's a massive topic. And we're going to just touch on on the beginning of that today. Yeah, we're going to talk down and we're going to, we're going to break it apart for our listeners. Because like I said, you know, even me, collective generational, what does that mean? So we have ourselves, our families, our local community, then maybe the the state that we belong to, then the country. So the collective builds out. So we've got our generational um, history, which that takes like thousands. If you think about it, that takes thousands of people who've gone before us for us to exist. And we don't often think in that kind of way, but that comes with us wherever we go. That lineage that we have, everything that's happened generation after generation, it's passed down. So when I talk about unresolved collective trauma, it's like from generations where there's been traumas that it's not been resolved, then that system has to find some way of balancing out for the upheaval or the disturbance that's occurred. 
And if we think about, you know, COVID, for example, how where we've been through as a global society, we've been through this massive, massive upheaval, right? Right. So we're currently, how I see it, we're currently in a situation where what we do makes such a difference, will make such a difference or impact on the generations that are coming. So when I talk about collective, it can get as big as you want, down to like as small as the individual and their family system. And let's take COVID, for example, okay? Yes, mm-hmm. this is a massive societal uh, hurdle. That we're, have, that we're faced globally mm-hmm. and how we approach it definitely is going to affect um, you know, future generations down the road. But what it has also done is almost connected a lot of these generations because of being you know, um, um, refined to our homes you know, and, and, you know, and having to rely on you know, family and to, to fill that that void that we were not able to expand upon, you know, uh, getting out into society. And so therefore our society, so to say, was scaled down to just family for a while. Yeah. And And, yeah, with technology, it, it actually broadened it more than that if, if people desired, but definitely I think in the beginning it came to a very, a small circle where people had access to. And it highlighted actually how fractured we are as a society, I think, and even as families. And it even caused fractures in families with different beliefs and, uh, you know, how had people even in families saw what was occurring. So it gave us all of it at the same time. But I think also what it gave us was an opportunity to, you know, really connect with those <clears throat> that think similar to us and created communities, also separation. And that sort of came, I think, from our leadership, the separation and um, the distinction between, you know, who would and who wouldn't take the injections. But it's like, even in that, there's a coming together in the humanity of freedoms of choice, freedoms of speech. You know, there was people, re- you know, it actually... As it moved forward, in the beginning, there was a lot of separation and segregation. But as it's moved forward, people have really seen like, no, as a human species and humanity, we need to be in this together. So it's actually strengthened, I believe, people's sense of community where we may have not had that as strong before. We've we've become quite individualized. And I think in leadership and building our businesses, that can be problematic for sure when we're when we think of ourselves first, rather than seeing our business or our organisation uh, from that different perspective of, yes, I'm the leader, but I don't have to know it all. I, in, in relationship with the people that work with me or for me, however you want to frame it, there can be in a massive co-creation and you don't know why where your next idea comes from. It could be from the person that delivers the mail and you're just having a conversation with them or, you know, Anything bizarre like that, if we look at all the synchronicities that can happen when we're open to seeing what's possible. Well, and, and you know, there's there's also the, um, I don't want to say the dark side, but there's the other side of the coin, whereas what we've just gone through in the last three years, okay, has mm-hmm. also um, shed light on where the weaknesses are. 
Okay. Yeah. We had gotten to a point where as employees, uh, there was no loyalty from corporate America or corporate, you know, global, you know, corporations. And now the tables have turned and yeah. employees are the ones holding the, the ball per se, because now we realized we have choices. We mm -hmm. don't have to be under the thumb of a corporation or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so COVID, there's been a lot of changes over the last three years. Now, how, how much do you think, or, or do you believe that these changes are sustainable moving forward? Well, I think like any time when there's an upheaval, because in, in private practice, I'm a trauma therapist and transgenerational trauma therapist. So if someone comes in and they're ready to make a change, then there's so much potential available. People who don't want to make a change won't even come near my door. No one's going to come running to trauma therapy unless they, they're ready to do some hard yards, right? Right. But it's like right. if we're actually um, looking at the potential of what's available, it depends on what people do next and what they hear next. The trouble is because we don't know any different, we don't know what we don't know, there's often, uh, like Einstein said, we can't solve our problems with the same thinking that created it. So we're often in that situation of thinking we know something and then we go down the path of familiarity, which is not necessarily the path that's going to create sustainable change. And that's where when things are out of our view that someone like myself can come in and go, have you thought about this? Can you see this here? You know, this is showing up in, you know, your relationship with your staff or whatever it might be. So where you were saying about employees having, you know, that more power and decision-making uh, opportunity, they're demanding from their leaders something different. They don't want to be, you know, segregated. It's like we're looking more at that co-creation and yeah. that um, valuing each other at a different level. Still having like, yes, this is your organisation. Yes, you're the CEO, but you don't have to be like the, the boss. You don't have to be that person that has to know everything because we're all human beings and we don't all know something. We don't know, sorry, we don't know everything. So to be able to be solid in yourself, and I think this is where when I talk about there's three major disconnects, disconnect between self, disconnect between others, and disconnect between our environment. If we were really connected to ourselves, we wouldn't do to each other what we do, and we certainly wouldn't do to the planet what we do. But from a leadership perspective, if you are really connected to yourself and really solid in yourself, you wouldn't need to have the mask or the shield or feel like you need to protect yourself against the people that are working with you or, you know, have ideas that you might not have. Instead, you're building relationship and you're creating together what's the next best thing for that organisation. So it's more if you say like a community rather than, you know, someone telling everyone else what to do. Right. Well, with that in mind, you know, um, up until just recently, you know, um, business owners, business leaders, leaders, whatever you want, you know, whatever we are, uh, we've always been taught to look to our environment and basically emulate. Okay emulate what other leaders and things like that are doing. But now we're in a, um, an environment now where it, it, it takes more creative thinking. You know, rather than following the leader, let's start thinking about, okay, how can we stand out? 
and incorporate this environment that is going to attract, you know, and change, you know, all of that, um, you know, as, as a business growth strategist with a coaching and mentoring arm, we are constantly working with our clients and getting them to look inside themselves, you know, yeah. especially on the coaching side, because we're firm believers that it has to be a holistic approach to this entire environment. And if you can't find it within yourself, you're not going to be able to portray it to your collective environment. Absolutely so true. Can about that? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree any anymore. It's absolutely true. And for me, that's where it has to start. It has to start with anything that we do as individual human beings. We have to look at ourselves first. And often, you know, if you think about toxic workplaces, there's a lot of uh, projecting outwards to other people, um, often seeing behavior as the person instead of separating that and going, something's happened to this person for this behavior to happen. What can we do? How can we support? Um, what do we need to do as a group instead of it being someone who's pointed out either the person who's being um, toxic and uh, creating issues mm. or whoever the person is on the brunt of the bullying or whatever it might be, or the racial discrimination, whatever might, we might be looking at. And I think that we're not used to asking the questions of, if we look at it from a systemic, you know, transgenerational point of view, what does this behavior do in my organization? Rather than seeing everything as right or wrong, we can question in a different way, which will give us different answers. And that sort of leads into what I was saying before about Einstein saying, we can't solve our problems with the same thinking that's created them. Because if we look at societal issues and even toxic workplaces, for example, that's not getting any better. With all of the knowledge that we have, with all of the skills that people have, basically it's not really getting any better. And for me, it's like they're the stats that show me that what we're doing isn't working in any of our societal issues because they're not going down, they're not being relieved, they're not stopping. So what we're doing isn't actually solving the issue. It's probably band-aiding it, symptom managing it, which is what we're really good at as, as society in the Western world for sure. So as long as we band-aid, we tick a box, then we're not actually making sustainable change and we're not interested in making sustainable change or we don't know that we can make sustainable change. Right. And unless we approach these aspects with a more uh, global vision or, or, or what we call a BHAG vision, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's look mm -hmm. beyond the next 30 days or two years or whatever. Let's look at the impact that our decisions are going to make on the environment, on our, on our environment and future generations. As that's far as right. That's, and that's right. And if we don't stop what we're doing, because I sort of see it like, we, we forge, you know, those ice breaking ships that, that crack the ice and it's a nice clean crack and yeah. break at the, at the point of the ship, right? But then at the sides and towards the back, there's this massive mess that's sort of left behind us. Mm -hmm. But if you're focusing just on the front, all you see is like, you know, charging forward, what can I do next from that same way of thinking? So we keep perpetuating mm -hmm. what we already have. But right. if we stopped and turned around and had a look, what happens when I first break the ice and what happens when I look, you know, go to the back of the ship and I see all of that that's been created from that breaking at the front. 
it's like a different picture. But what we're not able to do, I believe, at this point in time is to actually go to the back of the ship and have a look at what's happened before, what needs resolving and what, what can we do to make that different moving forward? And that's primarily because a lot of us are in a reactive mode right now rather than a proactive mode. You know, we're still digging ourselves out of the last two years. Um, It's it's very difficult. So what do you believe are the biggest, most challenging hurdles to date with COVID? What do you think the biggest, most challenging hurdles are that we need to get a handle on? As business owners and leaders, I think that the biggest thing is ourselves. We have to do our inward work. We have to come home. And one of my programs is called Journey Back Home, which teaches people how to how to reconnect with themselves or connect with themselves for the first time. So for me, that's the most significant thing that we have to do because we haven't really done much of that. A bit like the um, scenario I gave you with the icebreaker ship, we just keep charging forward generation after generation charging forward it's like when do we stop it's like anything if people are in overwhelm what's the remedy stop just stop breathe that's right take a step back and have a look and we don't do that very well because there's like we don't know what to do yet so it's like as this you know becomes more familiar and more people um, connect in with this idea of taking a look back transgenerationally not to go back into it or to fall into the trauma of it or anything like that. It's like trauma recovery. We touch the parts that we need to. How is our past in our present and how is that not serving us? How is our past in our present? And it is serving us, but we don't take the time to do the reflection because we don't know what to do. What's the next step after that? Right. It's funny you you talk about that because um, Market Atomy, my company and what we do is work, you know, with working with micro business owners, is that that strategic approach? Okay, let's let's not just jump in and say, "Here's yeah. what we're going to do. We're going to start our own business. We're going to do this. We're going to do that." You know, and all this other stuff, without having the knowledge base to know what you need to do first. What do you need to do next? You know, yeah. and things like that. And so, um, and and a lot of times, and especially right now, coming out of COVID, where we've had over an eighty percent increase in new business license applications just here in the u.s okay um that's a massive indicator isn't it it is and in 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 in, in, you know respect to what you were saying earlier is the fact that okay now we're taking more control of our own decisions and we're realizing that you know we don't have to rely on a j-o-b anymore Mm. Because uh, we've started to realize, okay, we don't need all of the, the, the bells and whistles that we had before COVID. We learned yeah. how to scale down and, you know, and things like that. Well, it's the same thing with business, you know, with new businesses. But if they can't get a handle on it, two years down the road, we're going to find a lot of these business owners, you know, uh, closing their doors because... Yeah. They didn't know what they didn't know about, you know, launching and growing these small businesses. Absolutely. And, you know, and as a government, all right, we're not, the government is not looking at, okay, what is the 
positive impact these small businesses, these micro businesses, not small businesses. Mm. SBA calls a small, small business 500 employees or less. Okay, mm -hmm. those aren't the businesses that are failing. Mm -hmm. All right. But if the government would open its eyes and realize that by helping these micro businesses over the hurdle, the first two years hurdle, mm -hmm. the money that would be pumped right back into the GDP would take care of a great deal of our issues financially, let alone yeah. our labor force and the psyche of the business owners. Absolutely, I agree. And I think that the systems, how, we, how they've been set up and how they're currently functioning are quite dysfunctional. They're not serving the way they're meant to serve. So we've really gone out of whack in the systems that we're operating in. And I think that's what COVID gave people the opportunity to see instead of going to their JOB, you know, they're starting to question like, well, there's probably something more. They've had some space yeah. to actually do the stopping, they to do, do some reflecting. And it's like a forced, yeah. So it's like a forced, oh, stop, take a breath. Even though we had COVID and everything to deal with, it gave people the opportunity to really um, challenge what they were doing, even if they don't know what their next step is. And hence, like, I'm not surprised there's more businesses. People got time to think. They've got time to daydream and, and um, those ideas to come in. So the creative aspects of people is really served in those environments, even though there was the side of it, not minimising that, that was quite traumatic and, you know, wasn't pleasant. But it did give that opportunity. And the figures that you state is proof that there's something happened in people when they were stuck at home, you know, not having to go into their workplace. It sort of opened up other options potentially for what they might do with their lives. So there was a little bit of forced uh, review of how people were, were operating in their own lives. Well, and, let's, and let's take it a step further. Let's look at the political side of things. Okay, mm -hmm. you guys are coming up on an election. Okay, yes. um, us and our, our party division, you know, Democrats, Republicans, independents, you know, and things like that. There's a lot of things wrong with government. Mm -hmm. We know that across the globe, all governments have got, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of problems. I worked down in Brazil for several years and just the corruption alone. Not that mm -hmm. we don't have our own corruption here, it's just not as blatant as it is mm -hmm. down in Brazil. Okay, but. Um, you know, when you look at the party lines, and let's just look at Republicans and Democrats, okay? When I talk about government helping small micro business owners, I'm not talking about handouts, mm -hmm. okay? Which is the democratic point of view, you know? It's, it's let's the government, let the government take care of these companies. Well, I don't want them to take care of the companies. I want them to help them should the companies show they've done their work okay yeah. uh, my thoughts are okay yes if you're a young entrepreneur new entrepreneur and you don't know what you're doing go and get the education that you need you know you don't yes. have to go back to college but if you can go get certifications and you show up to get your business license with certificates showing you've gone through basic entrepreneurial education okay yes. So that's going to give you a leg up right off the bat. And if you can show that, then you can qualify for incentives from the government, but not just yes. handouts. Yes. Does that make sense? Handouts never, yeah, absolutely. And I don't think handouts ever really help 
but the way that we have um, allowed the the structures within our you know uh, systems like the government, like education, like health, like justice, uh, we've allowed it to keep moving the way it's moving, and it's disconnected from yes. the people that they serve. Because right. I'm sure, and I've met many people that have gone into the political field, and they've been consumed by the system itself that wasn't their intention when they moved in but it actually changes people because it's hard to hold your ground in that environment right. it's the same as if you're being bullied it's hard to hold your ground in that environment in that workplace in that toxic workplace yeah. so it's like there's no real balance or um, possibility often for the change uh, to exist it takes a lot so when we when we sort of are, and when you're talking about educating yourself, when people educate themselves and they do their own inner work and they start to see the world differently, because we Anay Nin says we don't see things as we as they are, we see them as we are. So we all have this view which comes from our own lived experience and then our transgenerational history, which we're often not aware of. So right. that's how we end up seeing the world, and that's how we continue to perpetuate. The systems that we have, the way we have, but COVID has definitely shaken that up. And I think there's a lot of potential, as you're saying, here we're coming up for a federal election shortly. That you know, as Australians, I think most of us are pretty slack in the area of like who's getting in and who's not. Like it's like the two major parties, and one of them will get in. So there's not been a lot of attention really from right. most people. I think that vote, and that's my opinion. I don't have data to back it up, but that's my opinion. I like when, when you know, our last elections with Trump and and uh, and Biden, you know, and things like that. You know, it's it's. I mean, people came out of the woodwork. Yeah, people came out of the woodwork. We had more people involved in politics, you know, in the election yes. and everything with this last one. Now, whether it was good or bad, I don't know. You know, yeah. I can't tell you. I know down in Brazil when I was down in Brazil. I went through two of their elections with them. And down in Brazil, by law, you are mandated to vote. Yep. You had Same no here. choice, okay? And yep. when you've got an economy that is, there is really not a lot of middle class. You either have your high and you have your low. Mm. And, um, and, and as far as to qualify to run, you just have to have a platform to run on. And so if that platform is servicing the um, the lower class and you've got things, you know, you've bought those vote, votes there. And that's yeah. primarily what had happened with Lula and, and you know, even uh, uh, Silva. Who came after Lula? I can't remember. The Silva, I think it was, or whatever. I can't remember. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, that's not a good uh, platform. That's not a good government system yeah. down there either but no. um i'm not saying that ours is i mean the fact that we as independents can't vote in the primaries i mean what mm. good is that and the independents are growing astronomically <laughs> yeah yes so, same here there's lots yeah. of people that are uh showing up and have uh views and are, are, we're, they're gathering in different ways <clears throat> they're actually you know taking a different stand um whether that shifts and changes when they get into government. I, I'm sure that we'll still have our major parties that lead us, yeah. uh, but I think we'll get more of the independents in there that are going to stir things up and start to, you know, 
change things because we can't if we just go this isn't working and, and get rid of it it's like there's a collapse and there's chaos and that's and not how we need to do it yeah there's yeah. a reason they set up the parties to begin with you know yeah. just like there's a reason they they said separating church and state you know mm. um mm. there's there's a there's a reason behind it it doesn't mean that it is set in stone it just means that, okay, let's work around what our ancestors or, you know, the original, and let's move with the times. You don't want to get yes. rid of it, you know, but, yeah. you know, in, in, as we move towards the end of this podcast, you know, what, what we're talking about here, when we talk about transgenerational, when we talk about, you know, um, uh, community and, 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 um, you know, uh, just the effect that COVID is having on, you know, our collective environment globally. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we're at a turning point here. We're at a major Absolutely. turning point. And if we Absolutely. don't get a handle on it and, and start, like you said, you know, um, our, our generations, you know, part of what we want to see is we want to see the psyche of those mm. entrepreneurs blend into their families and create more entrepreneurs and, you know, and, and free thinking, problem solving individuals. Right now, That's our right. school system does not promote that. No, and it's the cookie cutter approach and human yeah. beings are not cookie cutter. Yeah. I'm, I'm a nonlinear girl in a linear world. And it's, and it's like, I've been like that my whole life. Right. And I can see now how that is actually such an asset now to, in nowadays where that that upheaval and that change is occurring because it's like yeah that old way is sort of showing us that it's on shaky ground so what can we add in there and what can we do differently and how can we support people to even recognize and in my journey um compassion empowered workplaces program for leaders and organizations um you know that's where we start that's we look at like what are we doing right now right. like most people and like what's out of our awareness what the, the things that we show up that we see as wrong and not okay, how are they, how are they communicating to us? What do we need to look at to, to answer this issue that's rising up rather than seeing as wrong, get rid of it? Let's learn because we tend to sort of push things away, hide them down, tick a box, whatever we do in our businesses, instead of going, what is this telling me? Same as our bodies. If we listen to our bodies, what's it saying? Yeah, it's about listening. Yes. Listening to the other people, you know, yes. don't just discard it because that's not what how it's been done in the past or anything yes. like that. Let's look at what the opportunities might be opened up. Yes. Should we just listen to what they have to say, you know? Absolutely. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, Linda, it's been a joy. This is, we're getting up on the end of our podcast here and do me a favor and tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you and how they can get your ebook. Yeah. So that's, uh, so I'll, put, I'll give the link to you, Dan, if you can put it. Yeah, um, I'll put it and in the yep. transcript. Yep. So, you know, I've got a, a couple of things, the trauma quiz where people can even explore, you know, if they have trauma, because most time that's out of people's awareness. 
Um, so that's an exploration there. And then um, in the Compassionate Power Workplaces ebook, I'll give you the links for those. People can have a look at that. And, you know, feel free to have a conversation with me and explore the, the you know, anything that might have intrigued you because with the Compassion Empowered Workplaces, it's actually combining the intellect, the emotional intelligence and that systemic intelligence. So there, it's like something that's probably not very familiar for most leaders. So if they're interested, happy to have a conversation. Same with anybody who thinks they may have some kind of interest in, in journeying back home and connecting to themselves. I'll put the link there so people can actually uh, find me and have a conversation if they're, if they're looking for more information. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. So any last parting tips you want to give our, our people? I think it's just about being open as much as possible to the opportunity that's in front of us to um, not be fearful of change or even trauma. Because I always say, let trauma be your teacher. It doesn't have to be the suffering and everything that we've gone through. It's like this, it's, it's risen and it's shoved us for some reason. So collectively as a trauma, don't be afraid of that. Let it be our teacher. So if we can look at things from a, or be open to look at things from a different perspective, there's so much gold in that. Excellent. Excellent. So that concludes our podcast for today. So please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page or our Google page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of marketatomy.academy, the e-learning systems designed specifically with the, in, the micro business owner in mind. For more information, go to register at marketatomy.academy to find out more about the many courses that we offer to micro business owners. Until next week, talk to you later. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.